0: to the public safety innovators podcast connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement private security and personal protection and now your host Adam Wills
1: Welcome to episode 24 of the Public Safety Innovators podcast. On this episode, we are going to fill a gap in our drone series. Up to this point, we've discussed the capabilities drones have for us in public safety and private security from a proactive perspective. But on almost every episode to date, when the discussion about counter-drone technology comes up, we've fallen short of identifying viable solutions. Well, today I am going to present you with a viable solution as I interview Linda Ziemba from Aero Defense. AeroDefense has actually been around for a while now, but has largely been deployed for permanent infrastructure. Their Air Warden technology has now gone mobile and can be deployed on any incident. This technology is definitely about to take off, pun intended. So I'm excited to present it to you here on the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Linda, we are going to talk about counter drone detection today, is that right? Yes, sir, we are. All right. And so today is the, uh, we're calling it the Maiden Voyage, uh, the, the first episode of the podcast where we are going to be recording video and our listeners get the option now. They can go to YouTube or go to the website, psi.chat, and they can check out this episode of the podcast and, and take a look at our smiling, happy faces while we chat together today. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what you do over at Aero Defense What is the problem you guys are solving?
0: Well, first of all, Adam, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. We all at Defense appreciate it. What we do is help people know when drones fly over their facilities, when they're not supposed to be. Some of the problems that people have experienced with the drones are at stadiums and mass gatherings where drones shouldn't be flying over people because it's dangerous, so you could have accidents. There could be nefarious actors who wanted to actually attack people at mass gatherings. And one interesting situation is at correctional facilities and jails. A lot of cool uses for drones. We're not against drones, but the inmates at numerous facilities have figured out drone delivery for drugs and tobacco and money and, in some cases, uh, some wire cutters that were used to execute a jailbreak.
1: Oh, wow. Are you allowed to share with us where, where that story happened, or or is it better to use some discretion there?
0: Um, well, that's a public article from several years ago, actually. the There was a jailbreak out of South Carolina, and okay. it's believed that Cash and wire cutters were delivered to him to help facilitate the, the the prison break.
1: Oh, wow. Now, I used to work in a jail uh, many years ago. And at that time, our concern was because we had an old, old facility in a downtown jail. And uh, our inmates would, would make these rope lines out of by tearing apart their sheets or, mm-hmm. you know, saran wrap from the meal, uh, mm-hmm. the lunch, the lunch sacks or you know whatever they could come up with toilet paper and toothpaste in order to mm-hmm. <laughs> run these string lines down from mm-hmm. from the uh, upper level of the jail and and be able to hook onto things that that other people would drop off contraband that yeah. people would would bring to them and now it's not that many years later and here we are talking about drone delivery of contraband mm-hmm. yep. it's just amazing to think about how that technology has changed so much and on previous episodes of the podcast, we've ta- we've been talking a lot about drones. We've kind of had a drone series going, and we have talked about all the things that drones can do. And we've talked very little about the concern of what drones can do from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, we have mm-hmm. mentioned it a little bit, but the extent of which we've talked about that, really our conversations have said, you know what, there's really no good solutions out there for counter drone detection and and mitigation. And so I was really excited when you messaged me and and reached out and said that you were interested in being on this show and talking more about the solution that you guys have for counter drone detection. You've listed off some of the the verticals, I guess we'll call them, that you work Mm -hmm. within uh, industries stadiums and mass gatherings, correctional facilities. And I want to unpack that a little bit more. And maybe you can tell us, I mean, we talked about contraband, but let's go a little bit more in detail. Why is this such a problem? Why do we need to have better solutions for counter drone detection in general from a public safety standpoint?
0: Sadly, we saw over this past year that there's a lot of uh, civil unrest in our country. Yeah. And there were instances of drones at some of the protests. I, I can't really speak to the details because we weren't privy to them, but we know that drones being used by protesters are a concern. Those drones could be used either to direct the crowd, so they put the drone up in the air so that people on the ground can direct protesters. And in, in, a, in, a, in a protest, there are legitimate protesters and there are people that are there to cause problems. And there are people that are there to cause problems can incite riots and, and make a protest escalate to a, a bad situation. They can use the drone for aerial surveillance to direct the crowd to someplace where law enforcement is not or someplace they are, depending on what they want to happen. We recently received a contract from the Air Force to deploy drone detection outside the United States because our troops have been attacked by drones outside the United States, dropping IEDs and grenades. The drones can easily be weaponized. So, just to, to give them the situational awareness that there's something in the sky and they're either being surveilled or they may be under attack. And our system is unique in that we locate the pilot. So, that's a, a, a great mitigation strategy when shooting down a, a drone to, or taking it out of the air is not an option. Like here in the homeland, when you're over a mass gathering, that drone crashing out of the sky could be a much bigger threat to the public safety on the ground than the foolish guy who's just flying it around. So send your public safety staff to that pilot and have a conversation with them to stop the flight or, and, you know, by have a conversation, in some cases that may mean, face down with your hands behind your back because that drone has been weaponized and a law enforcement officer took over control of the drone flight which is safer than trying to shoot it or use a mitigation you know tool on it
1: so how exactly does the uh, your your system is called Air Warden is that correct yes sir OK, so how exactly does Air Warden detect the pilot and locate the pilot? Does it, does it also detect the drone? Maybe it does that first, or what does that process look like?
0: -hmm: So that's a very interesting question, because everything is referred to as drone detection, and we've participated in a number of uh, evaluations and exercises, and often the focus is on the drone when reality is finding the pilot before they get that drone off the ground can be the best form of mitigation that you have. So the way that our system works is we detect most drones are flown by radio frequency controller. The controller sends signals up to the drone to tell it where to go and whether to hover or turn left or right or flop, whatever. It's it's the control the drone sends back on that same channel information about where it is and that sort of thing. It also will send back video. So our system uses, it's called uh, spectrum sensing. So we look at the signal pattern and and different physical characteristics of it. So we don't Take any information from the signal, which would trigger federal wiretapping laws, Pentrap Act, uh, those kinds of things, which require a warrant. Sure. So, we use it's, it's kind of like a Geiger counter if you think about it. So, we would be able to detect both the drone and the pilot, and we use a, a network of sensors. So, like a cell tower would locate your cell phone we, it's called trilateration, we trilaterate to pinpoint where that signal's coming from.
1: Okay. So, and this is a software-based technology that you can deploy from a laptop computer, a tablet, or or mobile. De- what does that look like for the user?
0: Well, I'm glad we're on video. Let's see how long my, uh... <laughs> hold on. So that's one of our big advantages is we were built in the New York metro area, urban. And we didn't have the luxury of a big, you know, fancy test flight area out in the desert and vehicles to transport things around. If you look at the most CUAS systems, counter uh, drone systems, they're pretty big and bulky sort of things, but with our air force contract, we're going to deliver a unit. That's about this size that can go in a public safety vehicle. And then we'll connect an antenna to it, which I don't have one of those, but I don't know. It's, it's roughly this size, maybe just a little bit bigger.
1: And so for anybody Uh, that's just listening to the audio, the, oh, right. the box that Linda is showing—it's about the Would you say it's about the size of a, a boot box? So, like, if I buy a new pair of duty boots, it's about the same size as that box would be. Is that right?
0: If you have really small feet.
1: Okay, it's- <laughs> so maybe more <laughs> like a shoe box. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not yeah, very big. But yeah.
0: No, yeah, yeah, okay. it's not very big, and it's gonna—we—we we don't expect it to weigh any more than twenty pounds.
1: So that's the unit that actually does the detecting. Is that right? It,
0: yes. So we okay. would have a network of those to detect and locate. Okay. So it's the same same sensor does detect and locate.
1: Okay. So uh, if, if I'm trying to set up this counter drone strategy, if you will, around a football game, for example, around a stadium, mm-hmm. essentially the way your technology works is... If I'm the guy that's in charge of that working with you, you know, I've got to put these a, a certain number of these units around mm-hmm. the stadium in order to kind of set a uh, a network, if you will, of mm-hmm. these antennas that can therefore communicate with each other and then triangulate the location of both the drone and the and the pilot. Is that right? That's correct.
0: Uh, and okay, so if you stadium on. owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good job.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: So so if you're a stadium owner or you're an operator that has tons of events, you know, all year round or even just a very heavy season, you'll probably want to put up a system permanently. Or a um, correctional
1: facility. Yeah.
0: Or a correctional facility. But if you're a stadium that has maybe eight NFL games a year and that's really, that's your busy season, you know, it may be a bit, bit, bit of an investment for you. So, but it's still important to have drone detection there permanently, in my opinion, because even if you're a nefarious guy and you've got plans, you've weaponized your drone and you're going to go there. You're not going to go there and fly for the first time on your day of attack. You're going to go and you're going to do some test flights and you're going to see what the security response is to an innocent drone in the area. And you're going to see, you know, from how far away can you fly? And you're going to, you know, check the traffic patterns and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's important to know, even uh, on a non event day, if someone's there just flying to get, you know, surveillance on your property, you know, why? But you may not need a full system. So what we're talking with some stadiums and police departments about are putting in a, a a subset of a full system permanently at the stadium enough to give you situational awareness in your off times. But for an event day, your local police department could bring in mobile sensors to extend the network and, and have better coverage.
1: So, with all of these sensors or I guess I called them antennas earlier. So I don't know which I'm probably wrong, but these sensor antennas, we'll call them, as you deploy them around in this kind of network or this this uh well we'll just say a net, if you will, mm-hmm. how do they link together? Is that all into one central software system or Mm -hmm. I can monitor what they're detecting and Mm -hmm. and it will actually put a pin on a map that shows me Mm -hmm. location. What is, what does that look like?
0: Yes. You're a pretty technical guy.
1: So pretty nerdy. Yeah. Don't, don't (laughs) underestimate my nerdiness. It's pretty legit. (laughs) So
0: so the, so what, what each of these sensor antennas is doing is detecting and determining how far away the drone is from the antenna based on the power level. So it's, you know, X number of meters away. And then you have um, a network of these all providing their own information. And that's the trilateration is the intersection of, of those detections. But that, that is done by a, a command server, as you were saying. So there's a central server that takes all the inputs from these detections. And then that does the actual trilateration location.
1: And that's, that's able to be deployed in a mobile state or is that have to be, you know, a a permanent mm -hmm. fixture. Uh, Can I, can I pack this in the back of a patrol car and be able to go uh, or, or maybe not a patrol car, but like a, a, a patrol uh, vehicle of some sort and be mm-hmm. able to take this to a location, set it up and run it from that, that location.
0: Yep. We have different form factors we can deploy in. And uh, one is um, a rack. Like uh, a lot of these mobile command centers have
1: uh, yeah. computer
0: yeah. rooms basically. So we can provide a rack tray mount and then you know this antenna would be run up Maybe on a, have you ever seen a Wilbert pole? It's, um, you know, you can run a pole up, I don't know, 40 feet or so.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Or any
0: any sort of pole that the command vehicle has. Put the small antenna up at the top of the pole and you can have your server in the command center. You could also have a virtual server. So the server could be in the cloud.
1: Sure. Okay, very good. So We're pretty are you, flexible
0: on the deployments.
1: Are you familiar with DJI's Aeroscope system at all? I am. Okay, so D- the reason I ask about that, episode 20, uh, when mm-hmm. I, I interviewed Kent Moyer, we talked uh, quite a bit. That's probably the most extens- extensive amount of time that we've talked on this mm-hmm. podcast about counter drone considerations. And he mentioned the DJI Aeroscope system stating that as far as he knew, that was the the best or only counter drone system mm-hmm. out there. But he did mention a big limitation to that was that it only can detect DJI drones, not That's other right. manufacturers. So I guess beyond that, what I'm curious about as it relates to comparing to Aeroscope, what is different about how your technology works versus aeroscopes and can your system detect any manufacturer of drone?
0: So first, yes, our system can absolutely detect any manufacturer of drone because we do the physical spectrum sensing. So we've we've detected NYPD, New York Police Department's robotic dog at at an event because it's a remote control device. It just happened to be a dog. So yes, we can okay. de- detect homemade kit drones, uh, all of that. So we operate on the spectrum sensing, which you know, there's no question about us pulling information out of the signal. So the aeroscope extracts information out of that signal. So like the, the serial number and things like that, which would require a, a warrant. And of course they only detect DJI drones. There's pending legislation in the Senate now, Bill 73, I believe it is, the American Security Drone Act of 2021. Um, it it's um, has bipartisan support. It prohibits the use of federal dollars. So uh, anybody who's listening who's planning to get FEMA grants like The Port Security Grant or UWASI or any of those Bureau Bureau of Justice grants. Federal dollars, this bill prohibits federal dollars from being spent on Chinese company technologies. And because Aeroscope is a Chinese company, there's a very strong probability that that will be prohibited because it doesn't, it includes counter UAS counter-drone technology in the bill. The concern is it's... I was going to say the concern is with other security attacks, putting a device in your infrastructure, a a, a hardware and software device in your infrastructure, presents a very easy target for an adversarial nation-state to use it as a vector to get to many other systems and Uh, other endpoint devices.
1: Sure. Yeah, and I think that's actually that bill that you mentioned has kind of been in the works for a while, hasn't it? Because we we talked about that way back on episode three with Anthony D. Molina of Tactical Drone Concepts. And he mentioned that that was, I don't remember if he said that at the time that was kind of a unspoken regulation or rule um, with these grants versus it actually being um, a, a law that's passed, or if that was—I don't remember exactly how he shared that, but I know mm-hmm. he mentioned that that was at the mm-hmm. very least something that was in the works.
0: Yeah, there was a very similar bill in 2020 that had the bipartisan support, but they couldn't get it passed before the session ended. So it was basically reintroduced as the same bill of 2021 in January.
1: Okay. As a coppreneur, one of your most valuable assets is your background. When I left law enforcement to take my side hustle full time, my first instinct was to disavow my identity as a cop. As big a proponent as I am about concealed carry, I came home on my last day, put my Glock in the safe on my dresser, and left it there for several months. Every time I thought about strapping it back on, I felt like I would be putting on an old identity that I no longer had a right to possess. I failed to recognize that my background was my greatest asset. Unfortunately, I applied this same principle to my business early on as well. When coming up with my own company's messaging, website, and sales funnel, I was a complete hypocrite. I thought that I had to appeal to everyone and cast as wide a net as possible to ensure my success. I avoided telling people that I used to be a cop and certainly didn't embrace my background in my business. When I took on my first client in the public safety space, a light bulb went off. I was able to embrace who I was. The conversations were so much easier, the messaging came naturally to me, and the client commented that no other marketing agency they had ever worked with was able to understand their product and speak to their target audience like I could. When I embraced who I was, I instantly had more authority, credibility, and value. It doesn't matter what sort of copernican journey you're on and what kind of business you're trying to start or grow, even if it has nothing to do with public safety at all. Embrace who you are and embrace your background. People can spot when you are being genuine. Just remember, your vibe attracts your tribe. So I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit. You mentioned to me earlier some concerns about the use of RF-based detection and legalities around that versus Mm -hmm. the way your air warden system works. Can you just briefly explain the difference there and what the concerns are exactly? Mm -hmm.
0: Sure. Yeah, for anybody who's listening, there's a document that was issued by the was a joint advisory between the FAA, FCC, DOJ, and DHS in August 2020. And it was a a joint advisory about drone detection and mitigation technologies and the legality of that. So that document does a good job of sort of laying it out. But in a nutshell, any radio frequency system that demodulates a signal. Think of it as like um, an envelope. So if you demodulate the signal, it's like opening the envelope to look and see what's inside the envelope. So systems that do that, no question, they definitely trigger the pen trap and associated regulations. Then uh, the next step is it's a little more subtle. So you, let's think of your envelope again. So you've got the envelope and you can see who it's addressed to. But so you as a an RF drone detection company may say, look, I don't look inside the envelope, so I'm legal. But this document, the advisory, uh, joint advisory, says no. Uh, if you look at the addressing on the envelope or in drone terms if you look at a timestamp or a gps signal or anything like that on the signal that's not intended for public broadcast then you also trigger those and because aero defense doesn't we don't look at the signal at all we just do the spectrum sensing like a geiger counter we don't run a of that
1: okay so in theory Since you guys are doing the spectrum sensing, and you mentioned this earlier about detecting that remote-controlled dog. Was that right? Is that what you Mm -hmm. said? In theory, then, your system can really, it's not just about detecting drones. It's really about detecting any remote-controlled device.
0: That's right. So we, we, we do have a library, and that's one of the big questions that people ask. They're like, well, how many drones are in your library? And, um, you know, we, we try to educate and explain that um, our system doesn't depend on a library. We have a library. So when we detect something that we've seen before, we can say, oh, this is probably a DJI Mavic or Mavic Pro. And this one is probably an Autel. And we will present an icon on the screen, and we'll send out text alerts. We haven't really talked about how the system works, but that's what happens. And I forgot what I was saying. We'd send out the uh, alerts. <laughs> that's okay.
1: <laughs> if you want to unpack that some more, I didn't realize there was more um, that we we left undiscussed about how the system works. So yeah, if you want to if you want to go through any of that and clarify, mm-hmm. that'd be great.
0: Yeah. So what what happens when we have a detection? is we put a icon for the drone. If it matches this database that we have, it will tell you what kind of drone it is. We classify it and say, you know, this is the type of drone it is. And then we'll locate via a drone icon or a controller icon on the map. And we will also generate a text alert so that anybody who's supposed to receive them will get a notification. So b- back to your discussion about the any sort of remote control, when we detect something that has the characteristics of a drone, we'll display an icon that indicates it's an unidentified device. So that's what we would have displayed for the dog.
1: Yeah, personally, I think that really increases the value of your system, the fact that it can detect any remote controlled device, not just a drone, because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously there are lots of different kinds of remote controlled devices Mm -hmm. out there that can carry payloads and, and do things that are nefarious. And so um, I think, I think that's awesome. I didn't know that uh, coming into this interview. uh, And that certainly, Mm -hmm. I think, like I said, it Mm -hmm. it increases the value of what you guys have to offer, Mm -hmm. I believe.
0: Yeah, because if if your system is dependent on a database, then you won't detect that signal at all. So homemade or kit drones, which would probably be the choice of a nefarious person anyway. Right. Exactly.
1: uh, Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: We detect those, whereas a system that's dependent on a database would not.
1: Got it. So let's talk about the future a little bit. What do you see coming in from the future of drone technology and how does Aero Defense and Air Warden mm-hmm. fit into that picture? What do you guys have planned mm-hmm. for the future of counter-drone detection? Where does mm-hmm. all that go? Yep.
0: Well, um I think I might have mentioned earlier, we're all in with mobility. What we've seen is that threats and incidents here when you least expect them. So you need to be able to quickly get drone detection resources in place to help with incidents. So we're doing a lot uh, in the area of mobility. Down the road we see LTE drones as um, an area that where we will uh, focus and research on. We Right now we filter uh, that kind of stuff out but when if the real 5G gets here and, and drones can fly on it, then, you know, we will, we have that in our planning, but th- those are the probably the big two. And then we're also looking at widespread urban drone detection. So say a smart city sort of environment where okay. you do want to have a permanent Protection, but you also want to supplement it with public safety. We can deploy our small antennas multiple kilometers away from the the sensor electronics. Uh, we can deploy it over fiber. So if if a city has wow. a, a a strong fiber infrastructure, then drone detection could be something that you know you can very very discreetly. Deploy because now your antenna is only about that big, and that you can put them on light poles and streetlights anywhere.
1: It's, it sounds like a very scalable system, then. I mean, it's uh, you can go from anything to as small as a mobile deployment system in an incident command center, all the way up to large cities. Mm-hmm. With that scalability in mind, I guess something that I neglected to ask you earlier that I should have. And I realize this is a difficult question just because of just how scalable that system is, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation and question, I'm a public safety agency and I want to purchase this system to have as a mobile ready system in my incident command center or to equip in a permanent sort of status around my, my jail, Mm -hmm. Give me a range. What what am I looking at for a cost to do something like this?
0: Yeah, that is a very hard question because um, I assumed <laughs> you know, it it depends. <laughs> it, you know it de- it depends on your infrastructure. Like, are we talking about you know a fiber backbone, or are we talking about LTE, or are we talking about a a, a mesh? Capability, which you know doesn't have uh, the access, but I, I don't know for for budgetary numbers, you could say between twenty five and forty thousand per sensor, and then s- scale up.
1: Okay. So, I mean, either way, the, the safest bet is for somebody to contact you directly, I'm sure. But, um, you know, certainly I wanted to give people an idea of of what that sort of thing looks like, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure my salespeople will be really mad at me for quoting numbers.
1: <laughs> well, you can just blame me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit more about your background. Where did Where did this idea come from? Um, did you come up with it, or did somebody i mean what's the genesis of mm-hmm. this idea for aero defense and and air warden and I believe that you may have a little bit of a entrepreneurial story to share with us and maybe some some challenges you faced along the way so let's talk about you what what does your origin story look like?
0: okay, so the idea came from a project that I was working on which Involved filming kids doing drills for baseball with a drone, okay the drill wasn't over. the pilot the drone shot up in the air, flew across the field, and landed. When I asked the pilot why he did that, he said, well he was, he's flying it from his iPad he's like the the battery got low, so uh, it takes itself back to its home point and I said, oh okay, that was in two thousand and fifteen so I am like this is a super competitive market, believe it or not, and we are the old timers. Some of the old timers in the space since 2015. Later in 2015, I saw the drones interfere with the firefighters in California. I saw the a drone crash land at an Angela Merkel speech, and I can tell you to the day and the moment that this idea for the product came was when I saw on TV the segment about the drone crashing at the U.S. Tennis Open that year, so September. By October, I had a company. I had recruited employee number one, Taylor Sinatra, to help me build this product and company. At the time, we were called Drone Go Home because the pilot said, oh, it goes back home. I, my background's internet security, so I'm like, oh, well, we'll just apply internet security techniques to this problem and we'll prevent everything from coming in that's not supposed to, like, like anti malware software does. And um, then I learned about all those three letter agencies whose rules I was breaking or potentially going to break, decided that I couldn't sell something that might land me in jail or financial ruin. So I pivoted the company after careful examination of all the laws to a detect locate classify and track company that that operated within all the regulations. So I spent many a sleepless okay, night. that's
1: that's a neat
0: worrying about that stuff. Yeah,
1: that's that's a neat uh, evolution of how that how that occurred. So you you said your background was in internet security. Is that right? Part of
0: my background. I'm old, so I've got a lot of background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. <laughs> cool. Well, anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get covered?
0: One thing that I would mention that we're quite proud of, uh, our technology is Airwarden is the only... Drone Detection Technology that has the Department of Homeland Security Safety Act, uh, which is an anti-terrorism act of 2002 designation. So we're quite proud of that.
1: That's pretty awesome. What does it take to get that?
0: Uh, a lot of due diligence by Homeland Security on your product and how it operates and then a commitment to provide reports on usage over a period of time.
1: Okay. So kind of a, a, a audit of sorts. Yes. Yes. Well, very cool. Uh, Any uh, closing thoughts, final words, anything like that, that you want to share with the audience?
0: I just, we are here to serve. We appreciate, everything that public safety does for us. And um, you know, I don't have a public safety background, but we we are kind of nerdy geeky people who uh, are really dedicated to building a product that
1: meets the needs. Great. Well, why don't you Linda, it's been awesome having you on the show. Why don't you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if they want to uh, reach out to you directly, connect with you on okay. social media, or reach out to your uh, sales team to get some more information about Air Warden uh, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. How how would people do that?
0: So our website is uh, aero Defense D E F E N S E dot Tech T E C H, and my email address is first name last name Linda dot Ziamba Z I. E-M-B-A at Aerodefense.tech. If you just want to reach out to sales, we're sales at aerodefense.tech. So yeah, please, please do reach out to us.
1: Okay. Awesome. Well, of, of course, as usual, I will put all of that the links to those things uh, that Linda mentioned in the show notes for this episode, along with links to all the resources that we've talked about. And you can find all that by going to psi.chat forward slash zero two four for episode 24. Linda, it's been great having you on the show. Really enjoyed this conversation. You you filled the hole in our drone series here. Where we've talked a lot about drone capabilities, and we've talked a little bit about drone counter defense, if you will. Um, and now, now we've talked about that ad nauseum, and um, we now know that there is a viable solution out there for drone counter uh, surveillance. And thank you for sharing the details about that and uh, look forward to seeing good things from you guys.
0: Thank you, Adam. We appreciate the opportunity.
1: All right, take care.
0: Thank you too, bye.
1: Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at psi.chat forward slash review. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other public safety innovators like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to psi.chat, click on episodes and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.